Thanks for listening. The following is an audio presentation from High Country Christian Church. For more information, please visit www.highcountrychristian.com. We are um, going to take a look in the Word this morning and continue into our continue in our series that we started last week. And this series is going to take us all the way up to Vision Sunday uh, in January. Again, Vision Sunday is the 26th of January. This series is going to take us through the end of December and into um, January all the way up to the 26th. So I encourage you to be here for every, every opportunity that you can to continue in this series. Um, because we're talking about prayer, we're talking about a lifestyle of prayer, and as we talk through that and learn our way through these principles, I believe that they'll have a profound impact on our life. Um, I said this last week, and I think I'll say this each time we start a new uh, sermon in this series. I believe with all my heart that the most important spiritual discipline in the life of a Christian is consistent heartfelt, faith-filled prayer. Uh, The most important spiritual discipline in the life of a Christian, consistent, heartfelt, faith-filled prayer. Um, I believe that that God honors us when we pray. He meets with us when we pray. He speaks to us when we pray. He changes things when we pray. I'm sure that if I went around the room this morning and asked each one of you uh, for an example, you could probably point back into your, to your past and your life and say, yeah, that's true. God met me when I prayed. I prayed in this situation and the Lord worked it out. I, did, I prayed and I went to God and I saw his hand working in my life. I'm sure every one of you at some point could, could testify to that because uh, we believe that that's true. So, um, so we want to continue this morning in this is part two of a lifestyle of prayer. Our main text comes from James chapter 5 verse 16 and we took that from the New Living Translation and uh, it's such a cool verse uh, I, I grew up reading this in the, in the King James, so there's these and thous and thithers and stuff like that, um, but we don't, really, we don't really use those kinds of words today. So the New Living says this perfectly, confess your sins to each other and pray for each other so that you may be healed. The earnest prayer of a righteous person has great power and produces wonderful results. Read that last line again. The earnest prayer of a righteous person has great power and produces wonderful results. Again, the question that we have when I read that immediately is, do we really believe it? Because if I really believed that that was true, don't you want great power and wonderful results in your life? Yeah, I sure do. I would love to be able to go into time with my father in prayer and and pray and see answers to my prayer and see my life actually change as a result of the prayer. Wouldn't that be cool? Well, it is cool and it's possible. 
Amen. So we're going to that, that's why we're having this series is to talk through and to discover how do we get these this great power? How do we get wonderful results produced in our prayer life? Well, the Bible teaches us pretty straightforwardly how to do that. Um, before we continue, I want us to make our confession of faith this morning. We forgot to do this last week, but I absolutely love to do this. Uh, you'll see it up on your screen if you're new here. Uh, we say this just about every week, and uh, we declare it over ourselves. So let's read together on the screen. You can read out loud. Say, thank you, Father, that today the eyes of my heart see you, the ears of my heart hear you, my heart and mind perceive and understand your word and your will. Today I am growing in the things of God. Amen. So we believe we're growing in the things of God this morning. So we want to talk about how to have great power and produce wonderful results in our prayer, uh, in our prayer life. And we said that there were six different key principles, prayer essentials, we called them. Six different prayer essentials that we wanted to study out of the scripture. The first one we talked about last week, and that is connection. There's six of them, and they all start with C. Connection, conversation, confidence, consistency, charismatic, and compassionate. My prayer life should connect me to God. My prayer life should be a conversation with God. I should pray with confidence. I should pray with consistency. I should pray with charismatic emphasis, with the leading of the Spirit of God. We're going to talk about that in a few weeks. I'm excited. And then finally, I should pray compassionately. My prayer life should not be void of love. Amen? I believe that if you grab a hold of all six of these key principles, your prayer life will take off like a rocket. Amen. So today we're going to talk about prayer essential number two, and that is conversation. Conversation. Last week we talked about connection. This week, we're going to talk about conversation. And one of the things we talked about with regard to connecting to God, we talked about the idea that prayers should be answered. Amen. Our prayers should be answered. It was normal in the early church for them to have answers to their prayers. It was abnormal for them to pray and not have a result. Right? And so as, as we move forward in our understanding of prayer, we got to understand that our, our prayer life is connecting us to God. And the more connected we are to God, the more results we see, the more answers to our prayers that we get. Now, moving forward from that, dealing with this prayer essential number two, conversation, let's turn to Jeremiah 33, verse 3. Jeremiah 33 Verse 3. I'll give you just a moment to get there in your Bible or on your iPhone or iPad. There's so many devices now. Jeremiah 33, 3, and it says, Call to me and I will answer you and show you great and mighty things which you do not know. Call to me, and I will answer you and show you great and mighty things which you do not know. How many in here, by a show of hands, knows everything? 
Anybody? Good. Nobody bold enough to raise their hand. Good job. That's right. Yeah, I see that hand. I see that hand. Now, of course, nobody knows everything. You're my, you, you, you didn't create the universe. You don't have an infinite mind. I don't have an infinite mind. But my connection to God and my, my relationship with God gives me access to an infinite mind. All right? Think about that for a second. I just want you to think about for just a moment, like, your relationship with God gets you access to a lot. Right? It comes with a, it comes with a phenomenal benefits package. Yeah. Being connected to Jesus, right? Yeah. What does it get me access to? It gets me access to the one who knows everything. I was driving down 421 one night. It was, I was just me and my car. And... Um, this was years and years ago, and I was facing a situation that I did not know how to deal with. And I was praying and talking to the Lord about it, and I kept saying to God, Lord, I don't know what to do. Lord, I don't know what to do. I don't know what to do. I don't know what to do. Have you ever had that kind of a prayer language with God? That says, I don't know what to do. What am I going to do? And the Holy Spirit didn't even address the issue with me. In that moment, what he did address was I'm driving down, minding my own business, it's dark out. I, was, I felt like I was the only car on the road. And I'm in the middle of telling God how much I don't know. And the Lord says to me, Josh, I know everything there is to know about everything all the time. I was like, dang, come again? <laughs> I know everything that there is to know about everything all the time. In other words, what are you afraid of? He just pinned me to my chair, man. He's like, what are you afraid of? I, I know everything that there is to know about everything, about everybody, about every situation, about every circumstance all the time. Nobody catches God off guard. Nobody catches the Lord by surprise. He says, if you'll call to me, I'll answer you. And in the answer is going to come things you don't know. We're going to get into this when we get into the charismatic portion of our, of our discussion. But Romans chapter 8, verse 26 says that we don't know how to pray the way we ought to. But the Holy Spirit does. That's why you need to pray in the Holy Ghost because he knows everything. Amen. So our prayer life links us to things we don't know. This is why it's so important that we understand that prayer is a conversation. This is why it's critical for us to understand that prayer is a conversation. If our prayers are always one-sided, then we need to take a step back and evaluate things. If our prayers are always one-sided, then we need to take a step back and evaluate things. This goes right along with what we were saying last week about prayers getting answered, it should be normal for our prayer lives to be interactive. Right? I mean, how many, just show of hands real quick. Who's married in here? I want to see all the married people. Okay, most of us are married. Okay. How terrible would it be if you talk to your spouse and they just never talk back? Ever. I'm not talking about like y'all got in an argument and you didn't feel like talking for the rest of the day. I've been there once. Right? <laughs> Thank you for laughing at my jokes. 
We, yeah, we, you know, we have those days just like everybody where you don't feel like talking. But I'm talking about imagine if you spoke to your spouse and they just never responded. It'd be a lousy marriage. Our prayer lives, the normal activity of our prayer lives should be interactive. The scripture teaches us that God came, if you think about this, in the cool of the day to talk with Adam. You can go back to Genesis chapter two and you discover this, that God showed up every night, every evening to talk with Adam and they had a living, breathing relationship filled with conversation. God would come down and manifest in the garden and there he is with Adam and he's saying, Adam, let's walk together and let's talk together. Let me tell you about the universe. Let me tell you about everything I created. God is so willing and desirous to teach us and to talk to us and to show us things. Amen. That's why this Jeremiah 33 is so important. And that's why this first phrase of Jeremiah 33 is so important. Call to me and I will answer you. <laughs> this verse ought to give you the, all the faith that you need to begin to go to God in confidence that he's listening and that he wants to have a conversation with you. I'm gonna say that one more time. Everybody look up here. This verse ought to give you all the faith that you need to begin to go to God in confidence that he's listening and that he wants to have a conversation with you. You see, a lot of people stop short in their prayer life because they just don't think God wants to hear from them. They just think they're just filthy, dirty sinners, and I'm just a, a worm, and my life is so worthless, Lord, and yet I got nothing to give and nothing to add to this conversation. So they just stop way short, and they miss out on an opportunity to talk to the maker of the universe. I mean, it, it should fire us up to pray when we think about the reality that we're talking to the one who created the universe. You mean the God who breathed, the Bible says he breathed the stars. He spoke everything into existence. He is magnificent and marvelous in all of his ways. He is glorious beyond definition and he wants to talk to you. This is not a one-sided affair. This is not, I want to talk to God, he doesn't have time for me. This is God wants to talk to me more than I want to talk to him. Our prayer life is an absolute conversation. It's two-sided. It's something that we often forget, but we shouldn't. Now, the reality of God answering us when we pray is unique. It's unique to Christianity. There aren't other worldviews that offer to us a God we can converse with. I want you to think about that, okay? In the wide world of religions, the closest oftentimes that you get in other religions is to, to come to God to offer some kind of sacrifice in order to appease his anger. It's funny because the Bible, all throughout the scriptures, whenever the scripture is dealing with idolatry, idols, the Bible talks about how the Idols are dumb. And it's interesting, I used to laugh, but when the Bible refers to idols as dumb, it's not calling them stupid. 
It's referencing the fact that they can't speak. Right? You remember, you, oh gosh, there's just so many. I don't want to take too much time. There's so many examples through the Old and the New Testament of, of God showing off in the face of other gods that can't speak. Well, let's just, try, let's just work with one. You remember Elijah and the prophets of Baal on Mount Carmel? What happened? All these 400 prophets versus one Elijah. And they're up on top of Mount Carmel, and, and, and Elijah makes a deal with them. It says, okay, you got your God, I got my God. Let's, let's do a little exam. Let's do a test. Let's stage, you know, a test. You pray to your God, and I'll pray to my God. We're going to build two altars, and whichever God answers by fire, that's the true God. Okay? You all remember this story, right? And so you know what happens. They make the altars. 400 prophets of Baal are up there making all kinds of sacrifice, making all kinds of noise. The Bible says they shouted and they danced and they cut themselves and they got naked, which is super weird. And they did all kinds of crazy stuff to try to, try to get their attention. And what's so funny to me is Elijah's over in the corner not being gracious. He's like, doesn't sound like Baal's saying anything. Hey, guys, and he mocks him. He goes, maybe he's sleeping. Maybe he can't hear you. Shout a little louder. See what happens. You know the story. They do all their things. Doesn't work. Elijah goes and prays, douses the whole, his whole altar with water, digs a trench around the altar, fills that with water, and says, Lord, we need fire. And God rains down fire from heaven. What's so funny to me about that is that the fire consumes the whole altar. And the scripture says this, it licks, the fire licked up the water from the trench around it. Water usually puts fire out. Not this time. See, God is interested in answering you. There's a reason that the things you worship in your life, the idols in your life can't talk back. It's because they don't have any power. The things you worship, the things you chase, the money that you want, the status that you want, the job that you want, all the me, me, me stuff that we idolize in our lives can't do anything for you because it's dumb. It can't talk. It can't reveal. It can't show anything back to you. God's interested in a relational, face-to-face -face conversation called prayer. The Bible gives us so many different examples of this. I want to go lightning round. We're going to go to four scriptures really fast. Four scriptures. The first one is Deuteronomy chapter 4, verse 7. Lightning round. Just We'll see how fast Perry can type at the keyboard just to get these up on the screen. Check this out. This, this blew me away. I'd never read this scripture before. Watch this. Moses is talking. He says, For what great nation is there that has God so near to it as the Lord our God is to us, for whatever reason we may call upon him. Isn't that amazing? Have you ever read that scripture before? I read that to all studying. I was like, I didn't know this was in here. What great nation is there that has God so near to it? Oh, I want to ask you this morning. What, what, what people is there like us? I'm not talking about the people of this church. I'm talking about the people of the body of Christ. What group, of, what group can say, 
We got God not just near to us. We got him living in us. I love it. He's so near to us that we may call upon him for whatever reason. God's invitation to you and me is a prayer invitation that its basis is whatever you need it to be. I want you to take a step back and realize that anything you need to talk to God about, you can talk to him about today. You, it's not a formula. It's not a, you got to do steps A, B, C, and D before you can get to step E. No, if you need to talk to God about step E, go talk to him right now. Whatever you need, look at this verse, it's amazing. What nation is there that has God so near to it that as the Lord God is to us that for whatever reason we may call upon him? You call upon him for whatever you need. Go to Psalm 91.15. Psalm 91.15. He shall call upon me and I will answer him. Once again, there's the paradigm. That's normal prayer. You call to God, he answers you. You call to God, he answers you. If there's a disconnect in there somewhere, we got to take a step back and reevaluate. He will call upon me and I will answer him. I will be with him in trouble. I will deliver him and I will honor him. Psalm 145 verse 18 the Lord is near to all who call upon him, to all who call upon him in truth. Isaiah 65, verse 24. You want to write these down and go back and, and take time this week to look over these. Isaiah 65, verse 24. Man, he was doing so good there for a minute, wasn't he? It shall come to pass. He lets me pick on him. It's okay. It shall come to pass that before they call, I will answer. And while they are still speaking, I will hear. Oh, my God. What, what kind of verse? Oh, my goodness. It shall come to pass that before they call, I'll answer. God is so good and he's so smart that he knows what you're going to ask him before you even ask. He's just, why, why does he want you to ask? Because he wants to talk. He wants to show up. You know, the reason that you and I come to God with requests is not to inform him of something he doesn't know. Right? Jesus said that the, Lord, the Father knows the things we ask before we ever even ask. So uh, my prayer life is not, you know, giving God some fresh information. Lord, here's what's going on in my family. I know you weren't aware of it, but I want to just, here's what's happening. Yeah, get him up to speed, Brian said. Yeah, we're not getting God up to speed. Why is it that he wants us to pray? Because he wants conversation. Why is it that you want your wife to give you a hug? Because you love giving her a hug, right? Why is it that you want to converse? Why is it that you want to relate? Because the joy is in the relationship. The joy is in the conversation. Why does God want you to pray? So that you'll have a reason to converse with him. So that you'll take time out of your busy day to talk to the one who made the stars. It shall come to pass that before they call, I'll answer. 
And while they're still speaking, I'll hear. I think that eternity is going to prove out to us all the prayers God answered that we didn't even get a chance to pray. There's things we don't even know about that God did for us before we even had a chance to ask him. Amen. This willingness that we see God demonstrating should be further proof to us that what God really wants is a relationship. So, a couple of questions. How does God speak to me when I pray? Have you ever wondered that? How does God speak to me? We're saying that God's going to answer, so how is he going to answer? Does the Bible give us any indication? Well, of course. We need to understand that God can speak to us in an abundance of ways. Throughout the scriptures and throughout the ages, he has spoken to people in all kinds of different ways, different contexts, different realities. When you look through the scripture, you can see things like prophecy, like dreams, visions, signs. That's a big one people like to hang on to. Circumstances. Nature. How many of you know God's talking through nature? You can look at a tree and see the glory of God. People. Anybody ever had God speak to you through another person? Yeah. There's a, there's a whole host of ways that God can and does speak to us. But let me tell you, the primary way that he wants to speak to you is by revealing things to our heart. That's the way, that's the first way, the primary way that God wants to speak to you is by revealing things to your heart. This is God's desired way of communicating to us. This is the reason that he put his spirit on the inside of us. He is living in us, so he desires to speak directly to us. Now, we often use these external methods, the, one that I, the ones that I mentioned, dreams and visions and prophecies and circumstances and signs and, and interactions with people. There's all kinds of different ways God will speak to us. I'm not talking bad about any of those things. What I want us to do is learn that the easiest and most valuable way to hear God speak is when he speaks to our insides, when he talks directly to us on the inside. So we use these external methods to hear from God in a way often to test what we know he's already said to our hearts. So, like, let me give you an example. People do this all the time. And, and, and God's cool with it when we're first learning. But as we grow, he wants us to grow. And he wants us to develop our ability to hear him more. So we do stuff like this. Lord, if this is the girl I'm supposed to marry... Make three red trucks go by in the next 20 minutes. Anybody ever done that? Anybody ever look for a sign? Lord, if this is what I'm supposed to do, show me a sign. Now, there's nothing wrong with that. And if that's where your faith is, then God will meet you there. Remember what I said at the beginning? God will meet you wherever you're at, not at where you pretend to be. So where, where, wherever your faith is, he'll meet you there. If you got faith like Gideon did, y'all remember the story of Gideon? 
Nobody, huh? Okay, all right. <laughs> yeah, he was in the Bible. Yeah, that's right. Now, you remember the story of Gideon? He's getting ready to invade the Philistine army, and he's just not sure if the, I mean, the angel of the Lord comes and stands in front of Gideon in a cloud of white glory and looks at him, and he's just emanating the glory of God, and he's looking at him and goes, Gideon, you're a mighty man of valor. Here's what you gotta do. And he tells him what to do. And then Gideon's like, all right, Lord, if that was you, I'm going to put this sheep's fleece out over here, and I want you to make the fleece wet with dew, but make the ground around it dry. I just, when I get to, Gideon, when I get to heaven, I want to give Gideon a hug and tell him that I learned a lot from his story. But, bro, you're kind of dumb. How often... Do 10-foot-tall angels of the Lord clothed in glory appear outside of your bathroom door? I mean, is that a regular occurrence? This guy shows up and tells him exactly what to do. And Gideon's like, Lord, I'll believe you if you give me a sign. So a lot of people's faith is there. And I don't want to be critical of that. But that is not God's best. You follow me? That's not God's best. It can work. That's true. That's true. It, it, it did. It, it, God met Gideon exactly where he was. But that's not God's best. God's best is that you and I grow in relationship with him to where we can start to hear and discern his voice in our hearts. Hello. On the inside. That's where God wants to talk to you. In fact, if, any, if there's any external thing that God does, like give you a sign, like, you know, speak to you through people, give you a word of prophecy, things like that. If those things come, oftentimes it's in an effort to speak to us because we probably haven't been listening to what he's been saying on the inside. Right? We just did a series on the will of God, and we talked about how one of the ways Lord lead, the Lord leads us is with peace. And so when we have the peace of God on the inside, man, we know everything's good. We're cruising. And then when we don't have peace on the inside, we're resisting the voice of God. And so now God's got to use a person to come and get our attention. Yeah. Or God's got to use a circumstance. Or God's got to use a situation around us or give us a sign because we've been neglecting the voice on the inside. Yeah. Amen. The best that God could do in the old covenant was to speak externally. It's the best he could do because he couldn't live in somebody, not until Jesus came and shed his blood. But now that, now that we are on the other side of the cross, looking back, now that we're in this new covenant, we have the God of the universe literally living on the inside of us, and he's always talking if we're willing to listen. Because remember, our prayer is a what? A conversation. Amen. Now, there's three things. I want to close with this today. There's three things that you and I need in order to hear from God in prayer. Okay, we talked about the fact that prayer is a conversation. We talked about how does God speak to us when we pray. Now, there's three things that you need in order to hear God, hear from God in prayer. Number one, you need time. Give the Lord time to speak. Don't just rush through prayer. Don't just make prayer 
you know, an item on your calendar, or your to-do list. Don't just make prayer some static thing like that. Well, I got to stop at the grocery store. I got to pick the kids up from dance. I got to get the dry cleaning. I got to do this and do that. I got a meeting at three o'clock and then I got 10 minutes of prayer. Yeah, I'll make sure that I get it all done. Prayer is not something we get done. Come on, here, here, let me, let, me, let me say that with some emphasis. Prayer is not something we get done. It's something we get to do all the time. First, First Thessalonians chapter 5, verse 18 says that pray always without ceasing. Right? It's not something you get done. It's something you get to do. So give the Lord time to speak. Don't just rush through prayer. I'll put it to you this way. Give your heart time to hear. Sometimes it takes us being still for long enough that God can speak and that our heart can actually hear it. So number one thing you need and I need in order to hear from God is time. Number two, we need stillness, quiet. It's really difficult to do anything meaningful amidst a bunch of noise, right? Have you ever been in in a restaurant and you're trying to have a conversation and the restaurant's just so daggone loud and you're just like, I always feel, (laughs) this is going to sound terrible, I always feel like my grandfather when I'm in a restaurant and I'm like, somebody do something about the music in here. It's just too loud. And, I, and then I sit back, and I'm like, God, dog, man, that's something my grandfather would have said. It's really hard to have meaningful interaction amidst a bunch of chaos and a bunch of noise. The first thing you need is time with God. You don't need to rush through prayer. Take your time with him. Let him speak and give your heart time to hear. And then get rid of the noise. Don't try to pray at the football game and and be like, that's my only time I'm going to pray with God this week is while I'm sitting in the stands and they're behind me going, move the chains, move the chains, move, move, move. (laughs) Praise God. It's not that you can't pray at the football game. It's that that shouldn't be the only time you pray. You're not, I'm not, as busy as we think. I'm going to make this statement, and I don't want you to be mad at me. I want you to recognize that it's true. You're not as busy as you think. You're just distracted. Okay? So if we're going to really have a meaningful interaction with God, let's get rid of the noise. Elijah, when did he hear from God? When he was in the cave. You remember? Jezebel was chasing him, and Ahab was chasing him, and he got alone in the cave, and here he is hiding out from this crazy woman. And it, and it has nothing to do with women. It's just happened to be that she was a woman. And so he was running from her. Just before I get in hot water, I need to make that clarification. And he's running from this crazy lady, and he's in the back of this cave, and the Lord sends a wind, and he sends sends a fire and he sends an earthquake and he sends this and that and the other. And the Bible says the voice of the Lord is not in any of that. But then when it all stopped and it got quiet, he heard the voice of the Lord as a still, small voice. It doesn't, <laughs> it doesn't have anything to do with God's voice being still or small. It has everything to do with the fact that Elijah was quiet enough to hear 
God's voice in your life doesn't have to be small. It can be the biggest voice in the world. When John sees Jesus in the book of Revelation, the Bible says the voice of Jesus sounded like the rushing of many waters. If you ever stood next to Niagara Falls, you know what that sounds like. If you ever stood next to a roaring river, you know how loud it can be. God's voice can be deafeningly loud if we will get quiet. The scripture says, be still and know that I'm God. It doesn't say, know that I'm God and be still. It says, be still and know the stillness comes first. Number three, and I'm closing with this. The third thing that you and I need in order to hear from God in prayer is attention to God's word. You need time, you need stillness and quiet, and you need attention to God's word. Reading the word of God continually is how you get to know what his voice sounds like. It's the only way it happens. The first place that he speaks to us is out of his word. Amen? We need to develop a, a tremendous appetite for the word of God because the more of the word that I put in my life, the more I give myself to the Bible, the more I study the scripture, is the more I'm familiarizing myself with what his voice sounds like. So then when I get into the chaotic situation, I get into the madness and I need to hear from him you know, in a snap, I already know what his voice sounds like because I've been reading his word. I've been spending time with him in his word and now I know, oh, that sounds like a lie. Oh, that sounds like a lie. Mm, that sounds like my father. Amen. Because the Bible, the Bible says the enemy masquerades around as an angel of light deceiving people. The devil will come dressed up as God and try to sound, do his best to sound like God and get you to believe something that's not true when the poo hits the fan. You know, when you're in a tough situation, you really need to hear God. The devil's going to be right there to do his best God impersonation and lead you astray. So you need to know what his voice sounds like. And that happens by getting in his word. Familiarize your heart with what he has said so that you can recognize what he is saying. Amen. Familiarize your heart with what he has said so you can recognize what he is saying. Now, I want to encourage you this week to take the time, as I've said last week, I, I gave you guys a homework assignment of spending time with God the first 10 minutes of your day, making sure that that is consistent. And I want, I want to encourage you that as you continue to do that, that wasn't just one week of assignment. You get to do that now for the rest of your life, okay? Spend the first 10 minutes of your day with Jesus. Trust me, it'll get bigger and more better. I know more better is not good English, but it it's, gets the point across. Amen. It will improve the depth of it. The quality of that 10 minutes will get better, and then you'll find that 10 minutes isn't long enough anymore. I need 15. I need 20. You'd be like a man named Charles Finney. He was a theologian, and he was a lawyer by trade, which is kind of funny. And he, he said, on the days that I'm really, really busy, I pray for four hours instead of two. 
See, most of us, when we get into situations where we're super duper busy, we, the first thing we cut down on is our prayer life and our devotional life. And we, we tend to cut away the things that really matter in pursuit of the things that don't mean anything. Right? Maybe it's just me. But he said, the days that I know that I got a lot to do, he said, normally I pray for two hours in the morning. Unless I'm having a really busy day, then I pray for four. The time is not what's important. It's his devotion, the posture of his heart. You'll find that if you spend time with God consistently, take that first 10 minutes, man. It's an easy thing. Anybody can do it. Take that first 10 minutes with the Lord, and you'll find that as you engage in conversation and you allow God to speak, Pray what you need to pray. I bet you you could pray everything you need to pray, all your requests and everything you need God to know. You could get that done in the first five minutes. What if you spent the last five minutes just listening? Lord, what are you telling me? What are you saying to me? What if you spent the last five minutes with your Bible open, listening? I bet you the Lord would direct you to, hey, why don't you turn over to this verse? Once you turn over to this and you'll, your eyes will fall on the page and all of a sudden, boom, what you need to hear, the answer to the prayer that you just prayed will jump out of the pages of Scripture and leap into your heart. I bet you it'll happen. I know this because it happens to me all the time. We hope that this message inspired you and filled your heart with faith. If you would like to visit our church, check out www.highcountrychristian.com for service times and location information. Thanks again for listening to this audio presentation from High Country Christian Church, where Jesus loves you, we love you, and your life counts.